We're back with Attorney General Josh Stein here on Carolina Newsmakers. Uh, we have already talked about uh, on this program the effect that uh, the pandemic and all the complicating factors that it is causing, is having on the court system. And uh, we said the wheels of justice always move a little slow, but they're move slower for a while now. Um, let's talk a little bit about the continuing things that were on your plate before the pandemic and, and where do they stand? For example, a lot of people have been very concerned about robocalls mm -hmm. and uh, we, we touched on, on scams and robocalls is one way that people are, are reached by the so-called scam artist. Robocalls has been the primary way in which scammers try to steal from us. And so I have made it a top priority to do everything we can to put a stop to these things. It's exceptionally complicated and tough, but we're actually beginning to make progress. We had a big win in the United States Supreme Court earlier this week. Um, I off, my office authored a brief that had this sign-on of 33 states. Again, bipartisan. Here, Don, one thing I've learned about robocalls, Democrats hate them, Republicans hate them, independents hate them. Uh, even we learned this week the Supreme Court hates them because they ruled in our favor upholding the federal ban on robocalls. So that was a big, a big win. The U.S. Congress Again, they have a tough time doing much of anything. They passed a bill into last year called the Traced Act, Act, which forces the phone companies to adopt some technology that they'd already voluntarily agreed with me that they would deploy called Stir Shaken. It's an authentication program so that they every phone call that is made gets a digital fingerprint. And it ensures that when you get a phone call, that the number that displays on your caller ID is the same number that it was made from, that they can't spoof that number. That's what happens so often in these robocalls is you get a phone call and you're like, is that my wife's number? It looks really familiar, but it's from some person somewhere else who's got a make-believe phone number on, on the call. We want to make sure that we can deal with the, that spoofing. We want the phone companies to deploy technology to screen out these calls on the front end. And for those that get through, we want the phone companies to cooperate with law enforcement so we can hold these lawbreakers accountable. And that was another part of the Trace Act was to tell the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, to work out a mechanism, find an organization that can facilitate the relationship between the phone companies, which have the technical information, and law enforcement like me, who can go after the lawbreakers. And I, I just did a, a letter that got 52 attorneys general, including the district, and in, 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 I think it was Puerto Rico. And we want them to help us go after them. I, about two or three weeks ago, I was in federal court. My office was in federal court in Texas going after a guy who made 75 million phone calls into North Carolina. Um, he was pitching extended automobile warranties, 75 million. And so we want to find these lawbreakers and make them pay. And ultimately, that's how we're going to succeed in, in putting a stop to the scourge. Something interesting you said several times about working with other attorneys general, and that is uh, it seems like there's more bipartisan cooperation with attorney generals than there is in, in Congress, certainly. It, it seems like it's, that there are more things for you to agree on and that uh, you guys get along better than Congress. Yeah, I was just on a call this morning with the Tennessee attorney general, Herbert Slater. He, he's a Republican, and he and I worked together on a number of issues. We co-chair 
the Consumer Protection Committee for the National Association of Attorneys General. And yet one thing about attorneys general is we're law enforcement. And law enforcement isn't partisan to the same degree that Congress or a legislative body is going to be. So there is a lot of work that we do together in collaboration. Um, I, I don't want to be Pollyannish. There are times when politics comes into our work, just like it does everything else. But I think when you compare it to other types of institutions like a legislature or Congress or uh, something like that, we are able to focus on serving our constituents uh, and party label doesn't mean doesn't mean as much. Now you mentioned earlier in the program that uh, governments are going to have a serious problem as they look at the next year uh, because North Carolina, of course, has a balanced budget requirement um, with the exception of capital improvements. We, mm -hmm. we uh, have to balance our budget. So cities and counties have the same situation. And with less revenue coming in and less money going around, there's going to be, of course, a lot of budget cuts. Are you facing similar cuts in your office with the attorney general's office? Uh, what, what are you looking at? We don't know yet. Uh, we certainly hope not. Uh, my office experienced really drastic cuts a few years ago, even when there was no budget crisis. And and we're still trying to deal with the consequences of those cuts. And so there really isn't uh, a lot of opportunity uh, for more cuts. Our hope is, is that we can get through this crisis. The federal government will be the backstop. And then that way, when we come out the other side in 21-22, that year budget, revenues will be back up again. And we, we won't have experienced a really drastic reduction, whether it's in public safety or in our schools or uh, healthcare uh, or justice, like what I do. Well, the good news is apparently the stock market and the business community does think that the, the economy is going to return because the stock market has not had drastic uh, drops like it does in a normal uh, recession. Uh, this is a downturn in the economy, but not necessarily a recession. And so the, the stock market, the business community is, I guess, uh, showing some confidence that things will return to normal. Let's hope uh, so. I mean, for everybody's sake, let's hope so. That's exactly right. Uh, and, of course, the last two job reports have been more promising than uh, than people first thought. Uh, let's turn to another question because we've had uh, a, a number of demonstrations and people that are concerned about social justice and criminal justice and so forth. And there's a task force for racial equality in criminal justice, and I believe you're chairman of that. Is that correct? Yeah, Don, I am. It's something that the governor created. He issued an executive order, and this is in the wake of the murder uh, of George Floyd. We have all come to realize that we need to do better, that the way that blacks are treated in the criminal justice system, but not only that, in the economy, in healthcare, in education, in housing, uh, is not right, and we have to do better. And so the governor created this task force to address the question of racial equity as it relates to the criminal justice system. And he asked me and Associate North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Anita Earls to co-chair it. Uh, he is going to announce the membership of this task force today or tomorrow, I believe. And we're having our first meeting on Friday. And I am so anxious to get to work to identify and implement. And that's really critical. We want to implement improvements to our system of criminal justice. Uh, the governor was very clear when he and I talked about it. He's like, I'm not looking for some blue ribbon commission report. 
I want this to be a task force that's focused on action and getting things done. And that's what we want to achieve. The, uh, one of the things that sort of concerns me about uh, all the reform that we're talking about is um, the word economic uh, reform is not mentioned as often as perhaps I think it should be because one of the problems, of course, is uh, in, in many cases, this is a problem not uh, tied directly to race, but it's tied more to poverty. Is there any movement up front to uh, see what we can do to create more jobs and uh, to uh, raise the standard of living of those who are working for lower wages? I, it's a, I completely agree with your point, Don. And I think that we need to be moving and addressing inequity on all fronts simultaneously. We have a more limited charge, of course, with our task force. But, you know, the, the minimum wage in North Carolina uh, on real terms is thousands of dollars less today than it was in the 60s. We hadn't raised the minimum wage in, I don't know, 10, 15 years in this state. Uh, so there's real economic inequality where people who are doing well, you just mentioned the stock market, is continuing to grow. The, the people at the very top are doing exceptionally well, even in this period of, of massive unemployment, whereas working folks are not. A lot of them are really struggling month to month. And, and you know, thank goodness there was the unemployment um, expansion uh, by Congress to help people get through some of this time. But even that's going to run out at the end of this month. So we need to address a lot of issues to give people meaningful opportunity to succeed. Like if you're out there busting your tail and you're working 40 hours, 45 hours a week, that should be enough to actually pay for your housing, pay for a car, make sure that you have some kind of health insurance so that if you get sick, you don't lose all your money, and that your kids get a decent education. Like that's what people want. They don't want, you know, <laughs> they don't want a private jet to go to a Caribbean island. They just want to have a, a life where they can provide for their families. This seems to put an awful, and I know we're getting away from your job, but this seems to put an awful uh, a big opportunity and burden on the community college system because that seems like that's where one of the immediate sources for economic reform can uh, turn to is better training. I think that the community colleges are going to see massive increase in enrollment next year particularly if the universities aren't able to go back to in-person classes because I think a lot of People are going to say, I can pay full freight to go to a, a state university or even a private university and get some online education, or I can pay a fraction of the cost, get some credits at a community college, and when they're ready to go back to in person, I can transfer my credits. And so I think you're right. I think the community colleges are a critical solution to get helping people build the skills within themselves to be marketable and productive in the economy at a very affordable rate. I mean, we're really blessed to have such a strong community college system here in North Carolina. Well, uh, there are so many things you can say about raising the standard of living because it also cuts down on crime, which is a, a, a very costly thing uh, to all the, the citizens, uh, not only the court system, but the uh, penal system and all that sort of thing. Well, uh, we've got one more segment coming up. Our guest is Attorney General Joss Stein. And we've talked about all sorts of things, and we'll be back with one more session, as I said. And uh, that will come up right after these messages. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The 
kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was gonna do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone. At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. She just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. And you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with uh, the Honorable Josh Stein, who is the Attorney General of North Carolina, the uh, actually the 50th Attorney General, Attorney General that we've had, and. Um, a long list of very distinguished names in that list. I, I go back and look at it and remember uh, some of the older, older folks like me can look back and, and remember a lot of those names as being great, great public servants. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's a very important job in the state of North Carolina. Uh, um, we opened the program uh, today by talking about the COVID-19 situation and what it's doing. And, and so for those who joined the program a little later, why don't you give a very quick uh, re refreshing course on the fact that there are some scams going on outside and some things that are happening because of COVID-19 that are affecting, that is affecting the, uh, the judicial system in the state of North Carolina. So uh, maybe take two or three minutes to kind of review what you said earlier. H happy to, Don. Yeah, I mean, COVID-19 is a public health crisis, and obviously the top job for all of us is keeping as many people healthy and well as possible. And and the quicker we are successful at stamping this thing out or at least reducing it so that the transmission rates are really low, the quicker we can get this economy going full, bur full bore forward again. And so job number one, public health. But we really want people to know about protecting themselves from consumer scams because that core function we do at the AG's office is to protect consumers. We're seeing two major things folks need to look out for. One is the scammers will exploit any opportunity of fear, confusion, uncertainty to steal from you your personal information or your money. So somebody might call and promise you a, a, a testing kit or a mask or uh, a, a cure, or they can get you your unemployment money quicker, or they can get you your in economic impact payment. They are doing this in order to either get your money or your personal information. So be careful. Another thing we're focused on is enforcing the state's price gouging law. We've gotten over 2,000 complaints about price gouging and are investigating each one. We brought an action against a tow company in Charlotte, Don, that was putting a boot on some trucks that had permission to be parking where they were and then was charging $3,000 or $4,000 and in one case $4,400 
for the trucker to get the boot off their cab so that they could get medical supplies, food, water, cleaning supplies back in the stream of commerce. And we have prevailed at the um, hearing level. Uh, we've gotten injunctions to block the, the tow company while the, the litigation is continuing. So be careful out there from scams, folks, and look out for your parents and grandparents because they're getting inundated with phone calls and emails, and you want to make sure that they're not getting taken advantage of. And while we're on this subject, why don't you give that toll-free number that you have where if people do have a question, the best thing to do is call you. Yeah. I think it's always important to remind people who are being pressed on the telephone or by email to give an answer. They don't have to give the answer. Then. They can Hang up that phone. We, we tell them to hang it up, hang it up. But you can call our office, 877-5-NO-SCAM, 877-5-NO-SCAM. And if you get a robocall and want to report it, we actually have an online form you can use, which is ncdoj.gov slash no robo. And let us know about the types of scams that uh, are coming your way, and that will help us with our enforcement priorities. I'm going to ask you to give those numbers again in a few moments. So this will give the listeners an opportunity to get a piece, a pen, a piece, a piece of paper and a pen. I was having trouble getting that out uh, to write those numbers down. Now, we also uh, know that you have ongoing work in a number of areas that have continued despite the, uh, the COVID-19 situations that you're facing. And uh, one of those has to do with sexual assault kits. Yeah, we, we're making real important progress here in North Carolina. Uh, I, asked the, <clears throat> I asked the legislature a couple of years ago to have every local law enforcement agency in the state, you know, there's about 600 of them, to tell us how many of these sexual assault evidence collection kits did they have in their evidence rooms. And we discovered that it was over 15,000, just an absolutely uh, startling, distressing number because each one of those kits came from a person who had been assaulted and then went through hours of invasive examination to give evidence to the criminal justice system to pursue justice for them and hold some violent person accountable. And sadly, nothing happened to those kits. So I, I worked with the legislature. We got $6 million from them last year. Uh, the year before that, I'd gotten $4 million in grant funds when the legislature didn't give me any money. And so we've got a lot of money. We've got contracts with outside vendors. And now we are in the process of having all these kits shipped to the outside labs where they can be analyzed. And we've already done a couple few thousand of them, Don. And what we're finding is that about one out of every five comes back to a known individual, somebody who is in the database. And then that information is shared with local law enforcement, which can go out there and do their investigation and, and arrest somebody who committed a, allegedly, potentially committed a sexual assault. Some of them were five years ago, some of them were 30 years ago. And in this way, th that victim finally has peace and the community is safer because rapists are behind bars. You know, we were talking uh, during one of the breaks that uh, if, if this program were being held in a time before COVID-19, there's a lot of other questions I would ask you. And one of them would have to do with e-cigarettes. What's, what's uh, the progress or what's happening in the e-cigarette world? As you know, I sued uh, Juul, which is the 800-pound gorilla company that has uh, 
really dominated the e-cigarette market. And for parents out there, you may not even really be aware of it, but this has become an absolute epidemic among middle and high schoolers. Uh, all the gains that we had achieved from a public health perspective over a 20-year period in reduced teen smoking have been evaporated. They're all gone. More kids are smoking today than they did 20 years ago. It's terrible. And it's because of these e-cigarette manufacturers. Uh, I've got a trial date with Juul, the company that I assert intentionally designed their product to uh, lure these kids onto their product. And uh, we'll see how it works out this fall. But I, I want to hold them accountable. And I, I, I want to do everything I can to prevent another generation of young people from becoming addicted to nicotine. And we've got about a minute for you to also bring us up to date on where we stand on another crisis that we faced and still do face, and that's the opioid. Yeah, it's this is heartbreaking because we had actually started to bend that curve. We had had years and years of increase of opioid overdose deaths, and in 2019, we actually had a 10% reduction, and it was starting to go the right way. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, opioid deaths are spiking, and it, it, it's just heartbreaking uh, that so many people – are dying from opioid overdose. So I am helping to lead a national coalition. Again, it's a bipartisan group of AGs to hold the drug manufacturers and drug distributors that created this crisis accountable because they have to help us pay to clean up this mess they created. Let's uh, give those telephone numbers and the web address that people can get help from uh, if you are called about what you think might be a scam. Sure. 877-5-NO-SCAM. Put that beside your telephone. Give us a call. If you want to report a robocall, you can go to our website, ncdoj.gov slash no robo. Well, I think we've done a great job of covering a lot of territory. And if you missed the, the early part of the broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear a repeat of the entire broadcast. If you happen to be listening to one of the stations that carries only the half-hour version, you can hear the two segments that you missed at that same website, carolinanewsmakers.com. Again, uh, Attorney General Stein, we appreciate you taking time to be with us, and we will look forward to having you back again soon. Don, always a pleasure. uh, To the rest of the folks, uh, this program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he uh, has promised me faithfully, and he is a man of his word. They'll have another guest for us again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. So until next week, same time, same station, here on Carolina Newsmakers, have a good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.